So, you get this great idea. But is it really great? You're so excited. You tell everyone about it, and they're like, yes, that's amazing. You kind of just keep it inside, and you, like, worry about it a little too much. Then you make a list, you craft a plan, and it's so cool. Can you do this? There's mostly cons on your pro and con T-chart. But wait, is there? Like, can you do this? Maybe you can, maybe it's already been done. Oh, well, this is Hatch, and my name's Leilani. I'm Chieko. And we are going to explore, in this episode, the wild, messy, fun, crazy, sad, depressing, emotive world of ideas. Our show is about what happens when you have that idea. And we're not talking about the science, because we Googled it, and it's complicated. No, we're talking about the feels, the excitement, and what comes out of it. What do you do with all that energy, and how long does the euphoria last? Wait. I should be bringing impact up to Port-au-Prince. This was David Pierre-Louis's light bulb moment, that big moment when he was struck with something brilliant. Yeah, my name is David Pierre-Louis. I am a creative entrepreneur. I am a community developer. I am a dream enabler. (laughs) What did David do after his light bulb moment? Yeah, I'm bringing impact out to Port-au-Prince. And then it was just like the drive home and it was like, okay. Like I started, you know, researching and, you know, shouldn't be looking at my phone. I'm driving, but I was, you know, looking at some stuff and Found out about, you know. David was talking about Impact Hub, an international network of co-working spaces for social entrepreneurship. But there's more to David Pierre-Louis. Yeah, so David left the corporate world to pursue his ideas to open a lounge here in Seattle, which he ran for almost a decade. After the 2010 earthquake hit Haiti, he was still running the club, but he started a nonprofit to benefit the survivors of the earthquake. David is a consummate social entrepreneur. Right now, he runs a cold brew coffee business in Seattle to bring clean water, hygiene products, and other resources to Haiti. His drive and focus are unparalleled among most people I know. And he makes a damn good drink. But now back to David and how he approaches ideas. I believe that everything is possible. And so that's kind of like how I approach a lot of the things that I um, have brewing in my head for the most part. So Lonnie, you interviewed David. How is he able to move past the haters? He actually talked about that, so I'll let him tell you. I hear stories a lot about people like who are motivated by those people that tell them they can't do certain things. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I don't hear. I don't. I don't really hear those things. I never heard that when I was growing up. So therefore, you know, everything that I usually want to do, I try to do it mm-hmm. because I feel like I can. Um, and sometimes I don't know how, I, don't have the, I might not have the resources on how I'm going to accomplish certain things, but you figure out a way to make it happen, right? Here's an example. I'm going to be part of this inaugural launch of this Impact Hubs in the Latin America region. And tickets are purchased to go to Brazil. Boom. All right. I get to Haiti. You know, we, we, have, we already organized some events, so I'm flying out of Haiti to Brazil as a plan. And literally, like, Thursday... The Thursday before Sunday, when I'm flying out on Sunday, I didn't really, I didn't realize that I needed a visa to travel to Brazil. And I'm flying out on Sunday. 
right? And I'm in Haiti. What do you do? You throw in a towel? Hell nah, right? You, I, I just got this far. Like, I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> All right, so what's the, what's the plan? I got I to gotta find the solution, right? And it just so happened that I'm, you know, online looking and I swear, like, I could probably take, within like quarter of a mile was the Brazilian embassy in Haiti. And there was a hustle just to kind of like go down there and figure it out. And like I, I, I put in the wrong uh, birth city on, on my application. I said I was born in Seattle and no one I was born in, in Brooklyn. And, you know, just like all this adrenaline and trying to like really piece it all together. But, but yeah, I didn't, you know, I got my, I got my visa the next day. And I was on a plane two days later, but that's that's the power of an idea, and, and, and like the power of like believing in your idea, right? Because if I was to let somebody else influence, you know, my thoughts, the first thing that would have come to mind was like, oh yeah, it takes fourteen days, and you can't you can't get a visa, you know, like that that doubt never entered my mind. Period. Right? You know, it's like, you ever think about, like, the people you've seen tightrope walk? Tight, you know what I'm saying? Like, if they had any any doubt in their mind, like 1% of doubt, they would fall. Right? Until you realize at the point where, like, you know what? No, I can do this. I'm going to make it across that. Whatever's down below, and I'm going to walk this rope. And, I'm gonna, and that's just how it is. So. So, what happened with Impact Hub? What's happened... You know, we, we are opening an impact up in Port-au-Prince, right? You know, we got our application in, we got the yes. And, you know, we went to Brazil, you know, for the inaugural um, celebration and, you know, workshop series and everything like that. And everything has just been this constant serendipitous moment of, like, you know, validation of, like, yes, that you're on the right path, right? I break laws. I break laws. I break laws. So what makes us move to pursue an idea that will expand the content of our portfolio or have an impact on a city? There are a lot of factors that influence what happens after the light bulb moment and that initial excitement. We think about what the next logical steps are. What are my resources? What's the ripple effect? So basically, are we doing this or or not? To answer some of these questions, we reached out to two Seattle-based idea generators who came to mind almost immediately. Aramis Hamer. Uh, I'm Aramis Hamer. I'm one of the co-founders of Black Dot. That is an entrepreneur epicenter located right here in the Central District. And Dominique Meeks. So I just finished my master's degree in information management over at the iSchool um, at the University of Washington. And so just finished in... We wanted to hear about their processes for moving ideas forward into development stages. Starting with, what do you do after you've been struck by an idea that you think is amazing? I make a list of the resources and tools that I'll need to make it happen. And then... I grab some friends and I say, let's, let's go. <laughs> let's, tr- let's at least test this out and let's figure it out. I typically mar- like I marinate on them for a little bit because I get a lot of ideas. Like I, I think creative people are just always thinking of stuff. Um, so I typically I just marinate on something I'm like, okay, is this, is this a lasting idea or is this just one of my 
flights of ideas, you know, that just comes and goes. So let me let me give it some time. Let's see how it goes. Um, I've had to learn to say no. And learning to say no has been very freeing. It's, it's been a process where it's like, okay, for a while I was just saying yes to a lot of things where I wasn't happy, I wasn't comfortable doing them. And then from that, I'm just like, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, like, it's not even worth the money. It's not even worth my, my time and my time and energy. So I had to come to a point where I was like, I'm going to do the things that 100% fulfill me. And from that, I just felt like everything that was coming to me was things that were fulfilling. It's like once I made that declaration, um, everything starts with a decision. Like I can be very indecisive and I don't know if that's the Gemini in me or just like, I don't know, but I'm just like, okay, what's the decision? Okay, I'm making the decision and now let's move forward. Do I need to connect with these people? How do you use people in your idea development process? Do you have a team? Not not too much. Like sometimes I'll I'll paint things and like I'll show Andy and he's like, okay, okay, that's coming to be something different, <laughs> but all right, you know. <laughs> and and sometimes I don't I don't like that feedback just because like I want to paint whatever hell I want, so I don't really need your approval, you know. Because I like to share my ideas with my friends just to bounce it off of them to see if this is is this a good idea or a bad idea. Um, and so I have a really small group of like good friends who will tell me whatever I need to hear. And then I have a couple of friends um, that would just be devil's advocate and ask me, like, the million questions that I didn't think about. Um, and if the idea gets to my father, he's always the best person to, like, ask me questions of, like, so what are you going to do when you actually do have that? And I'm like, oh, I didn't really think about that, Dad. Um, I just wanted to have fun. <laughs> it was just an idea. How do you know when something is a good idea? Now I'm like in this space where I'm trying to create a, a brand identity, you know, like really trying to have this kind of have this like staple um, style for myself where people can see it. So if it's something that's kind of way out of my out of my genre, that that doesn't help build my portfolio to a place where I'm still creating this identity for myself. So it's it, it's really around it's really around that and really trying to make sure that I, I hold true to myself. My friends are very important to me. And so oftentimes. Um, if my friends are down to help out or down to lend in a hand or come with a suggestion or whatever, and they're like, oh, this sounds like a good idea. I'll try it. And that's usually how I can gauge if it's a good idea or not. You get some buy-in. It depends on who's around. And what if an idea gets off to a rocky start? I'm a very trial and error type of person, and so I'll try anything. And then if I hit the wall or if I don't like it, I'm also very picky um, with a lot of stuff. And so if I don't like it, then I'll stop and I just won't do it. With acrylics, you can paint over it. So if I do have an idea and I'm thinking like, okay, let's let's give it a try. It seems really cool. It's it's really relevant about what's going on. It's kind of something that has inspired me or it's something that's been on my mind for a while. Um, I'll just go ahead and paint it. And then if it's if it's just like I'm not vibing with it anymore or I just had to switch it up, I'll just paint over it. And that happens so many times that it becomes this um this like true like archive of, of ideas and images through a painting. Um, yeah, yeah, so it's it's fun to see that transition. And sometimes I just take a leap and, and paint it, and if not, I'll just paint over it. What is an idea you currently have in the hopper? Well, like, I know our, our overall, like, ultimate dream is to have a whole lot of a whole lot of black dots over, around the city um, and, and hopefully nation. 
Um, one of the other things that's taking place starting this week, starting Monday, um, is the Hack Track. So Hack the CD collaborated with Startup Seattle Week. So now they have a whole week. Wow. Um, this whole coming week, they have things absolutely every single day. So one of the events that I'm super excited about is the uh, Africa Town Ambassadors. So we have people who are coming to speak who have who have been who have been to Africa and actually like cultivated projects and programs over there who are coming to talk about how we can actually like build build this bridge. So like even the possibility of having black dots in Africa, you know. So it's it's just I think I think um, overall we just want to keep growing and help like build this whole online resource base of where people is like I don't know where to start. It's like, here's your starter kit. Here's how you get a business license. Here, here's how you get insurance. Here's how you, you know, find out your customer acquisition costs. Like literally just having a starter kit for people to just go click and learn. Um, and to have that on a large scale, you have a greater impact. So yeah, the, the next step is more black dots. I'm looking for funding for part two. Um, for part two of Soul of Seattle. Um, and also wanting to look at the Central District and look at the South End as we go through so many changes and be able to collect these stories. Many of the folks we interviewed talked about the importance of their teams when making decisions about their ideas. This next section turns inward to the introspective process of believing in your own idea. Hello, my name is Yvette Tete, and I am an arbitrary artist, yoga teacher, and aspiring farmer based in Accra, Ghana. Here is Yvette's confession about the internal conversation and confidence she needed to translate an idea into words. Farm confessional. How to tell people you've decided to become a farmer. I've decided to become a farmer. It's all I need to say. Fess up to my hippie aspirations and be on with my day. Or my glass of wine, as the case may be. Instead, I adjust my grip on the stem, take a breath, and launch into a hazy, emotionally abbreviated sketch of what could loosely be described as my five-year plan. Move to Ghana, buy two acres of land, start an organic vegetable farm, teach kids how to do the same. I've started to notice how often I'll add in a, well, we'll see, because I can't quite hide that I'm not sure of my plan or myself. As a novice farmer and first-time entrepreneur, certainty is something that I have only in short supply. But an hour into this dinner party, and more than a few glasses into the Pinot, I've managed to feign enough confidence to survive several what are you up to conversational bombs. Apparently this question, along with the plainly diabolical, what's your plan, are requisites in a group of parents and young people not long, but long enough, out of college. As a 23-year-old British-born Ghanaian woman, an educator, an artist who arbitrarily makes films or writes stories when I feel like it, and a farmer's apprentice with a degree in anthropology from Stanford University, I've been finding it hard to give a coherent answer. We're all wondering what I'm doing. Sometimes I can cobble something reasonable, even admirable, together. For instance, I've loved teaching kids how to get to know themselves and their communities 
to the documentary filmmaking workshops I've done in Ghana. In my mind, the logical next step is to teach them how to support themselves and their communities. Why not do that via something as nourishing as natural farming? Hence my current apprenticeship on an organic farm in a tropical climate. I've got to learn how to do it myself first. If I speak with enough enthusiasm and speed, I can overwhelm any concerns or questions before they become more than lightly creased eyes and slightly plastic smiles. But sometimes I can't quite manage the conversational gymnastics required of what's your plan? One wonderful mother smiles and makes the universal say no more hand gesture as I struggle to make all that ideas and experience I'm holding in my head. I understand, she says generously. Your vision is incubating. You're not ready to share it yet. I unsquint my eyes and purse my lips and after a moment of surprise, release a smile and a yes, that's precisely it. There is so much to what it means to be a farmer, to my decision to become a farmer, that it is difficult to give people the simple, well-defined answer they are looking for. I don't have a fully-fledged plan. I have a few ideas and education behind me and a surprising amount of faith. When I think or say I've decided to become a farmer, I'm thinking beyond my decision to, to learn to trade through my current apprenticeship, beyond knowing when the growing season is and why nitrogen is good for plants. By the way, that sentence encompasses all the things I've learned from starting to live as a farmer and from living with farmers. Farmer life is more than just physical labour and science. It's excited, joyful feeling of sprouting seeds and harvesting plants. It's self-reliance and community. It's the unremarkable piece of living with the land and nourishing an inquisitive imagination. I envision not a job or even a career, but creating the conditions for my mind and body to experience equanimity and growth. I have a lot of visions, but I try not to have any illusions. Being a farmer is not built on faith alone. It's a lot of hard work, and it's often very stressful. I'm already experiencing anxiety over deciding on a garden plan. What's going to work best in this space? Will I be making the most efficient use of the land? Is there something I'm missing? Is my garden going to be beautiful? What seems so straightforward quickly turns into a monumental decision that calls into question my intelligence, my skill, my creativity, and it's not even yet a matter of my entire livelihood, just my ego as a student who wants to do well. There's also the question of land. How do I find the money to purchase it? Am I even qualified to be responsible for land? let alone build a business and a life on it. Then, in some ways, I'm afraid it's inappropriate. After four years of, quote, elite academic college education, I worry my aspirations don't fit with the cultural and financial invest investment that's been made in me. As a young woman of colour, what does it mean for me to go back to the land, to be excited to be toiling the fields, Am I squandering important opportunities to show the world what a young black woman with my privilege and social capital can do? Inevitably, I'm acutely aware of the deeper historical and cultural resonances of my individual choices. But beneath the fears and the rough explanations of my plan, I know that I have to opt into what is appropriate for me. I can only do what I'm driven to do. 
and that's creating a sustainable home for my mind and body. I'm committing to my belief that we can have an intimate, uncompetitive relationship with the world around us. Being a farmer is my way of caring about the environment, people and myself. I still don't have a ready or detailed answer to, what's your plan? And I'm a little nervous about that. But I trust that if I commit to being a farmer, if I toil hard doing the work I already enjoy and rely on a little bit of luck, I'll literally get to see all the fruits and vegetables and fields and trees of my labour. Now just to tell my mother... so much for listening to Hatch. This was our first episode, and just like anything that's ever been created ever, it started as an idea. The idea was inspired by a popular radio show, This American Life, and I thought it'd be fun to start a new podcast that would dive into topics that are really interesting, but rarely explored, and feature voices of fascinating people who I rarely heard in podcasts back then. Though there are a ton of podcasts more now than when I first had the idea, I don't know, I've had so much fun building this project with the phenomenal Chieko Phillips. So thank you for listening and stay tuned for more episodes of Hatch. I've had fun too. Thank you. Uh, and it has taken a small village to create Hatch. We'd like to first thank our guests, David Pierre-Louis, Hermes Hamer, Dominique Meeks, and Yvette Teta for their time, honesty, and patience. And thank you to our guiding lights, everyone who advised us about how to make a podcast, Tanya Mosley, Lara Davis, Sonia Green, Adam Jabari, and Min Nguyen for inspiring our title. Also thanks to Modern Farmer, which originally published How to Tell People You Decided to Become a Farmer by Yvette Teta. And thanks to our engineer, Tom Stiles, and all the staff at Jack Straw Cultural Center especially their artist support program and Levi Fuller. For more information on Black Dot, go to blackdotunion.com. That's B-L-A-C-K-D-O-T union.com. And for more information on Soul of Seattle, visit ambassadorstories.com.